Welcome to Now Let's Talk, the podcast with Vanessa Corwin and Kathleen Kahn, where we speak with our guests about the joys and challenges of life in today's world. Hello, I'm Vanessa Corwin. And I'm Kathleen Kahn. Heidi Latsky Dance is a New York-based company that includes disabled and non-disabled dancers. It is her mission, and I'm quoting from her mission statement here, to disrupt space, dismantle normal, and redefine beauty. Heidi Latsky joins us today to talk about her work and her company. Heidi, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here. So let's start with your background. Now, you have a very interesting background and a journey of how you got into dance. You graduated with a degree in psychology. So how did that lead to your becoming a dancer? So I want to go back a little bit. When I was 11, my mother, they found a brain tumor in my mother's brain. And she was taken away from us for like three months. And it was devastating. And then in her case, she had brain tumors. She Her brain kept making tumors. They were not cancerous, so that was good. But it took its toll on my mother and she became somewhat isolated. And this was a very vivacious social person. And when I went to college, I wanted to study psychology, I think because of being around her and her illness and her condition. And while I was there, there was this, I went to school in Ottawa, but there was this lovely man from Montreal and I was from Montreal, who was a great dancer and disco had just, become the rage and we would go to nightclubs and dance and I fell in love with it I fell in love with like he would twirl me and dip me and lift me over his head and we had so much fun and because we had so much fun we started winning competitions and I was extremely shy like extremely shy. So the only way I could do that was to just look at him, which made us even more competitive because everybody thought we were in love and we were not, we were not, I was just terrified. <laughs> and, and that's when my, my I, I just loved the feeling. And then I saw Saturday Night Fever, but turning point. And I remember thinking, I don't, I don't want not to do something that I'm going to regret later. And so I decided to study dance. And I went to Montreal and it was really almost impossible to get dance training there because I was too old. And then I went to the York University in Toronto and that was fine for a little bit, but it, it, I didn't really want to be there. You studied dance there or other, other things? I, I already had a degree in psychology. So you I did. Anything else? 
I just wanted to dance and so I did for a few years and then I left there and was living in Toronto and Twyla Tharp came to Toronto and I mm. loved her company and I met Sarah Rudner who's brilliant and I taught and she started dancing very late so I went to New York Tell us about uh, this. Is now you're up to the plot that I'm, I find so interesting because I understand you were too old, but you did it anyway. Well, I was 20 when I yeah. started. Tell tell us about uh, the dance companies that you worked with once you got into N New York and how you auditioned and how did that come about? Well, I, I had started doing my own work in Toronto because nobody wanted to hire me and I had friends and nobody wanted to hire them. And so we just did like review type, like it, we were, it was commercial. It was mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. And then I got more serious. And when I got to New York, I auditioned a lot. I got extremely injured in my back. And had to take like a year off, came back and, and took more care with my body because I just didn't understand my body. You know, when you start dancing very late, you have no idea, you know, the intricacies of dancing, mm -hmm. like turnout. How do you yes. turn out your legs? I, I was doing it all wrong. And then, so I did some of my own work and then I auditioned for Bill T. Jones and Arnie's team, right. and I got in. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you must have been over the moon. Well. <laughs> Work with them. Well, no, not really, because True. I'm missing a, a piece. Before I auditioned for them, I got into Donald Bird's company. I loved it. The, the dancing was fantastic. But they didn't have work. They didn't have a lot of work. So I went and I auditioned for Bill and Arnie and I got in, which was surprising. I, I didn't think I'd get in. How long did you work with the company, with them? Bill and Arnie? Yeah. Seven years. Wow, that's a long time. Let me just ask you, what was the catalyst that got you from dancing and deciding to uh, incorporate disabled dancers. Okay, that's way down there, right? <laughs> okay. First, I had to become a choreographer. Right. And I had the desire to choreograph. You know, a lot of dancers don't. Mm -hmm. I did. I, I really did. And so I started choreographing. And then a friend of mine in Boston introduced me to Lisa Bufano, who was a visual artist who had just received a grant to, to make a dance piece. And she had no fingers and no lower legs. And she came to New York. I agreed to do it. Um, and the first thing we did together was have lunch. And I hadn't even thought about her as a disabled woman until I was at the door of the restaurant. And I went, oh, shit. How does she eat? And what do I do? Do I 
Do I look at her hands? Do I not? So I met with Lisa and she was so lovely. She made me completely comfortable. We had a rehearsal. And after that, it was like six months of just working with her. And I call these movement portraits. I hmm. wanted make her a portrait with movement. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, it was a 25 minute solo. It was long and she, she was gorgeous. And then she went actually to work with Axis Dance Company, which, which is a company on the West Coast. And I, I moved on. I start, I had met a lot of people from the disability community and I invited them into the process and we started making a piece that I call GIMP, mm -hmm. length group piece. And, you know, the whole time I was learning about the disability, I knew nothing about the disability community, nothing. I didn't know the proper terms. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know what they wanted. I, I knew nothing. And so my mentors were my dancers and they were yeah. fantastic. And that's how that started. And then the company evolved into this integrated company. You have a variety of different artists that you work with, all very different in abilities, in training, and it must be a very complicated dynamic. It became more complicated the more we rehearsed. And you know, that's when you realize that the people with disabilities who had never performed, mm -hmm. they didn't know anything about the process. And then my dancers who'd been dancing all their lives were also getting frustrated with the disabled dancers because they were fighting us, um, not all of them. And so we had to learn how to talk to each other, like really talk to each other and open things up and say, hey, what's going on here? What don't you understand? What don't you think you can do? And so, yeah, it was like a culture clash, culture clash. But on the other hand, we had, there were so many similarities. You know, dancers are berated about their bodies. Your body's not good enough. You're not tall enough. You're not thin enough. You're not this enough. You're not that enough. Mm -hmm. And so they learn to disassociate from their bodies sometimes and they mm. hate their bodies. They hate, they hate. I was one of them. And, you know, people with disabilities, similar, similar, different, but similar. They're human beings. I mean, so there's bound to be, right? A lot of similarities in that way. Yeah, but, you know, People don't often think of that, you know, you, you're in a work situation, but those similarities really help bring us together because it's not like the dancers are these incredible, confident dancers and that the disabled dancers are not. It actually, a lot of the time it was the opposite where the disabled dancers were very, you know, had more confidence than we did. Now, 
Now, how do you how do you get your dancers? Do you put out a call, have auditions? How do they how do they come to you? Well, in the beginning, they came to me because they heard about what I was doing. They saw what I did with Lisa, and a lot of you know, it's not like there were weren't a lot of dancers. There were just a few, but they were activists. And ah. they saw what I was doing as a platform for their activism, which was great for me. And that's how it started. Now I'm in a very different place. I don't know where to find disabled dancers because the disabled dancers I had were not dancers. They were activists. They were, you know, people that I became interested in and said, hey, do you want to dance? Right. <laughs> And they were up for it. Are you saying it's hard now for you to find disabled dancers? Yeah, where am I going to find them? Well, let me ask you. I saw a couple of months ago your company performing on St. Mark's place. And I I had a friend who's in a wheelchair and he was dancing. And he's amazing. But I swear to you, I could not figure out who was disabled and who wasn't. It, it, it didn't matter. I mean, it was all so beautiful. And they certainly looked to me like they were capable dancers just by their movements and their feelings. I mean, the dancers that I get, but we train. We train them so that they are more than capable. It's so much more than just the physical act of rehearsal. It's so much in your attitude and that and that's with every dancer and me right so we were all we've all been learning how to be more open be more mm -hmm. grounded be more calm sounds like your psychology of <laughs> beginnings really really helps now yeah it does it always has it always has, or it complicates it. I don't know. Do you ever hold auditions? Yeah, I, I don't like auditions. I've held auditions. The last audition I had, actually the last two, we put an ad out and said, anyone who's interested, for them to connect with me directly. If I'm interested in them, I'll invite them into a rehearsal to see <laughs> how they do in my work. And that's Nice way to do it. I'm consuming, but I like it. Now, how about finding uh, performance venues that will accommodate the disabled dancers? Is that difficult? Yeah, it can be difficult. I think more venues are accessible now than they were. And it's hard to get a venue, period, now, now since covid I've been having a hard time. And then once you get a venue interested, you have to make sure like the bathroom is completely accessible, which most people don't know what that is. They think it's accessible if it has a bar for someone to hold on to. But but in actuality, there are certain dimensions. It has to hmm. be so that a power chair can get in there and maneuver. And a lot of times these bathrooms are not big enough. 
So that's the next thing that we go to and we see if it's rectifiable. Once in a theater in Milwaukee, we had to get porta potties that were big enough. Yeah, but they did it and that was great. You're also making the average person aware of, of what is needed. Or they have the ramp, but the ramp isn't built right. Or they have the ramp, but they don't have the accessible bathroom. Right. It's definitely better than it was. It's so much better than it was. And people are listening now and people are trying much harder now to do the right thing. So at least it's evolving. It's, it's in an evolutionary state. So talk a little bit about your creative process and your creative, I'm going to say, philosophy, if you will. Uh, like you talk in your mission statement about disrupting space, dismantling normal. So tell us about that and how you work with the people you're collaborating with. The mission statement comes from where we started doing a lot of site-specific work. And, and the, it got to a point, how, you know, I started working with people with disabilities in 2007 or 2006, and I realized that the people coming to the theater, you know, were on our side. They were the people who were who got it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to affect more people. So I started thinking about doing outdoor events that, you know, people just saw. They don't have to pay for it. You know, they can stop if they want, or they can walk away. And so we started doing that work. And, and we realized we were really disrupting the space because we would do it in Times Square, and Chinatown. Like it's, you know, we just did it everywhere. Um, And we were dismantling normal because of the dancers that we had. But the process of choreographing was a big change for me. I mean, I used to go into the studio and my body was the process. I'd walk in, I'd make movement, they'd all learn the movement, and then I would build a piece from my movement. And when I started working with people with disabilities, like that's not gonna work. If I'm gonna have somebody with a really different body, I wanna see what they can do. So I would come in and and give some kind of a direction and really watch them and then keep directing them and building on whatever and pushing them. I push them hard. And then I'd start bringing in my own movement but not not a lot. So it became a mixed bag. But mostly with all my dancers, I just wanted to bring out their own virtuosity, their individuality, you know? So it's fun, it's hard, but it was fun to do it that way. Now, how do your audiences react, especially people who see your work for the first time? I think some people are ashamed of their response. I think some people don't understand it. 
Um, I think some people are so moved by it. You know, some people are very moved by the work. I certainly was. I, I didn't stop talking about it uh, afterwards. And I was dying for Vanessa to, you know, to see it. Um, but I guess it was the last day. It was amazing. Uh, it just blew me away. So some people get it that way. They they see the diversity, they see the inclusion, they see the equity, and then they see the beauty of putting all those different bodies and personalities and ages, ethnicities, all of it together, and what what it look what it what it feels like, what it looks like, what the statement is, they get it. And then there's a lot of people, especially in the dance world, who are like, what are you doing? You know, what what are you doing? I, I don't understand this. And that's okay. You know, it wasn't okay in the beginning. I was very hurt by the way the the dance community in New York just didn't come to see hmm. my stuff. I, I'm surprised. Now they come. Well, we haven't had anything. We haven't had much in New York lately, but it's a whole different environment now. You know, I was I was one of the catalysts for change. Now you see people with disabilities commercials on yep. television. Yes. yes. In films. On Broadway. On Broadway. Absolutely. Absolutely. Companies. Things have really evolved. We've come a ways, right? We've come a ways, but with that and with Black Lives Matter, the disability community also wants to lead. They don't want it, like, for instance, they don't want to just work under a non-disabled person. Right. They want to be the choreographer. They want to have their company. And I get it. Of course they do. But it's not always communicated in the nicest of ways. You know, in the dance world, there's never enough money. There's never enough work. And so when there's not enough, everyone gets a little competitive instead of working together to bring the field up so everybody could benefit it can get very competitive and it's very hard to stay out of that. That's and even with disabled dancers. Oh yeah. With everyone. Competitive because of lack of strong support, right? You don't get in a dance company and you have a full-time salary. My point was just that, that's the reality of our field. Right. And we're all trying to get it out of that. Like we're all trying to, to acknowledge what we do have, not what we don't have. And so I just think with people with disabilities, if they really want the power, like to be their own choreographer, to have their own company, it's not easy. You know, you got to fight for everything. Well, true. It is. It is competitive. Absolutely. Um, so now you um, 
Another thing you do is you you use technology um, to bring your work closer to audiences, and you've got a project called On Display Global. Yes, so On Display Global is not really working with the technology. Like, I've made holograms, and I make films, but On Display Global is a sculpture court of human beings. Hmm. And on display, and that's on display. On display global started in 2015 when I found out about International Day of Persons with Disabilities at the UN mm-hmm. on December 3rd. And so I had this idea: what if I got people all over the world doing on display on that day? And my company would do it at the UN. And that's what we started in 2015. And then with the pandemic, and it kept growing. Like first year I had someone in Hobart, Australia doing on display and we did it at the UN. And then we also did it at NYU Tisch's lobby. And the next year we had like 26 sites. Wow growing and then it was the pandemic people were high you know people were in lockdown so we did a 24-hour zoom event i was up the whole time 24 hours we went from midnight december 2nd to midnight december 3rd and we had to fill every minute of the 24 hours and It's gotten a bit more difficult, but it's so beautiful because, you know, like you see some New Yorkers and all of a sudden the next half hour, there are people from Tehran. Wow. Next half hour from Israel and the next half hour from Peru. And, you know, every time we got more people, it just at it was another layer to the work. And it was, you know, very quiet because there's no music there's no sound Hmm. it's just wow it's very peaceful sculptures Hmm. and most of them did it from their homes which is pretty vulnerable so yeah that's a hard in other words they're sculptures but do they do slight movements every once in a while yeah yeah yeah, they can shift, but they have to be subtle. On display is a meditation. Now that COVID is over, are you thinking of doing it again? Oh yeah, we're gonna do it every year, and we're gonna do it. At, we're gonna do the twenty-four hour Zoom. Every. Oh wow! Yeah, because it's so powerful. Before that, and if every when everyone was doing their own thing, wherever they were they would film it for us and send us the film. So we could see what they did, but it's not immediate. And when we were for the Zoom event, you're watching them, watching them do it. And that's what I always wanted, was it to be live. Mm -hmm. That's great. I mean, we'll we'll look forward to, uh, to this year's, to this year's event. Um, so 
you also have or you're developing a choreography residency. Is that right? Yeah. So I've mentored, you know, a few disabled dancers who want to choreograph. I've been doing that over the years, but, you know, nothing real formal. And we decided to do a res like a formal residency because I curated a show downtown at a place called Arts on Site. They were all disabled choreographers. Hmm. Not all disabled dancers, but the choreographers were all disabled. And it was great. Oh, interesting. I didn't mentor them at all. And that's when that's when the idea really settled in like how great would it be maybe not these choreographers maybe other dancers who really want to choreograph and you know aren't aren't really sure how to do it so that's what we're developing well that sounds very exciting um and then are there other upcoming projects that you have in the works right now so we have an education program. It's called Dancing Ourselves, and we're uh, in a couple of schools now. That and that's exciting because it it's a program that I recently developed that really teaches the students about respect and acceptance. It's not just a dance class. So that's exciting. And then I'm making a new piece called Tracking Parallel. Hmm. Very excited about that. Pure dance. I want it to just be dance. And I already am in one section. When do you think we can see this and where? I don't I don't know. It's too far, yeah. Yeah, we probably won't start rehearsing until March. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't know when we're going to get to it. It's a little tricky these days to get the dancers to make a commitment when I can't. Right. There's no gig in sight. Like, this is just yeah. a process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Using mm -hmm. money now so that we can pay them for this process, creative mm -hmm. process, which is very exciting. Yeah. Well, with a piece like this, how many dancers are you looking to um, have in this core? Tracking parallel. Yeah. Yes. The last piece I did was 16. Wow. And we still do that piece. Wow. wow. Which piece is that? Well, displayed. I love it. It's an, you know, I don't love a lot of my work, but I love that one. And it's just, there's a lot of people in it. Both able-bodied and disabled? Yeah, I do. That's all I do now. I think I'm pretty committed to that integration. And if not disabled, at least older, different bodies. Well, it's all very exciting. And, you know, please keep us posted um, as your work progresses. I'm a big fan, and so is Vanessa. Well, I, yeah. Looked into Absolutely. Wonderful. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. At a time when we don't have much coming up right now like i'm going to go into a rehearsal process but we don't have any shows for the immediate future 
And, you know, so now I'm, now I have to sell the company. Well, sure. And hopefully we can help put the word out there when we publish this podcast so more people will know about you. So where can people find out uh, more information about you, about your company? Yeah. So the main website is HeidiLatskyDance.net. And then we have OnDisplay.us. So that's where you can find out more about Heidi, and they can contact you through the website. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also like On Display, for instance, that website has On Display Global in it. It has lots of videos of other, like Harvard does this really big On Display Global, and it's just growing every year, which is beautiful. And you'll see us at the UN or at Lincoln Center or the Whitney. You know, there's lots of videos mm -hmm. that you can watch for two minutes or for an hour. So, Heidi, this has been terrific. Again, thank you so much for your time. Please go to the websites and learn about Heidi. And, and when she's got stuff going on, go see. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to hear from you, so please visit our website at nowletstalkthepodcast.com and send us your comments and questions. We'll see you next time.